Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And we are back on Iggy's Sports Talk. I am recording this from 91.7 WPCR Plymouth. And I really appreciate everybody who is tuning in today. I hope everybody appreciates or enjoyed, excuse me, that interview that I had with Elliot Johnson, the former Major League Baseball player. But now, during the last half an hour of the Iggy Sports Talk Show, I will be talking about week six of the NFL season. So I want to start off with the Patriots versus the Broncos and sort of talk a little bit about my reaction of the 18-12 to 12 loss that the Patriots had against the Denver Broncos this past week. So... In my opinion, everybody, not only in the media, but a good amount of Patriots fans are overreacting. Everybody's freaking out because the Patriots, for the first time since 2002, are under 500. For the first time. For the first time. And everybody's forgetting that for the last 20 years, (laughs) the Patriots have been massively dominating the entire NFL. And... Obviously, you can see it right here. I'm a Red Sox fan. Obviously, it makes sense that I have a little bit of a bias just because I'm from New England and grew up with it. But I understand because I grew up with it. And I I realized that even though it didn't matter if Brady had a lot of weapons, no weapons, no defense, even if he had a defense, didn't matter. The Patriots were going to find some way, shape, or form to get in the playoffs, get to the AFC Championship, and come close to the Super Bowl. That's sort of the expectation that everybody has had of this team for the last 20 years. So obviously it makes sense why there's so much criticism for the team. But one thing I want to point out before I even talk about anything in terms of just the performance and and any excuses of why they didn't play up to par. One of the first things that's a fact is that they have the most COVID players that opted out out of any team in the NFL with 10. Every other team had three, two, or one. Second, the Patriots just lost Tom Brady, the quarterback that they had for the last 20 years, and they also lost massive guys from what I just said with with, with the COVID, and also free agency as well. Remember Kevin Vinoy, or Kyle Vinoy, excuse me, gone. <laughs> Patrick Chung, COVID. I, I mean, Marcus Cannon, COVID. All, all, all these players that played such critical roles for the Patriots and helping them win not only last year, but from the years following, now aren't here to help them. And it's also not like Cam Newton has a ton of weapons himself either. And he's still getting used to this system. He's only been playing in it five weeks, and he's only played four games for the Patriots. And you got to have the same exact standards that you have for Cam Newton as you do for Tom Brady, especially with them being both on new teams. Everybody gave Tom Brady so much crap when he wasn't able to do anything for the Buccaneers during the first few weeks. And it makes sense because he had all this hype. He had all these weapons. He had, he had all this opportunity to be able to play well. And Cam, on the other side, had all this pressure to be able to, of, of getting up to meet people's expectations because everybody thought that he didn't have an arm anymore because of all of his shoulder and arm surgeries, that he wasn't the same quarterback that he was with Carolina, 
and that he wasn't going to fit well with the Patriots system because he would be too much of a troublemaker for Bill Belichick. Well, that obviously hasn't happened, and everything's been working out great so far. And the only reason, in my opinion, of why Cam looked a little bit out of sorts is because he practiced three games out of the 16 days, I said games, excuse me, three days out of the 16 days that he could have practiced, which if you took any quarterback and gave them that amount of time to be able to prepare throughout the entire week, I, I mean, w- wouldn't, wouldn't you give some guy some sort of slack? And I like what I like what backseat banter is, is saying in the comments right now. Like, I, I completely agree. He was coming back from COVID-19. So if, if you're going to give him crap because he literally came back seven, eight days a- after he got tested with COVID-19, even though he was asymptomatic and who knows if it actually fully affected him that it could have to the extent like like all these other guys that are getting it. Even a perfect example, Eduardo Rodriguez for the Red Sox, my guys. He had heart issues and he couldn't play all season because he had heart issues due to COVID. Who knows? Something minor in Cam Newton could have affected him from COVID. Nobody knows. I'm not saying that that completely correlates with his performance this past week, but it really isn't the time to start hitting the alarm button. It's really not the time to start panicking as a Patriots fan. And I just thought it was so funny turning on ESPN and just hearing Rex Ryan say, this is disa- this is a disaster. This is a complete disaster. The Patriots should be scared. Patriots fans should be scared. This is the end of the world. What are you talking about? Give me a break. I, I mean, Cam, rush the ball like 70 yards. It's not like he doesn't do that on, on, a, daily ba- on, a, on a game basis. But at the same time, I mean, it's not like he played awful. I mean, he threw a pick. He threw two picks. I mean, it's it's not like guys can have a bad game. And, and it's also not like Denver's defense is awful. I, I mean, Denver's defense has, has some pretty good guys, especially on the defensive end line. I mean, you really saw it. Cam got pressured massively. I mean, he got sacked four separate times. And so you could also say that due to his lack of practice – and due to his lack of preparation, he was rushing. He could he could have just been massively rushed in 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 the pocket because all this pressure was coming to him, and he wasn't able to find a guy open whatsoever. So he just made some erratic throw, trying to force something into existence that wasn't even really there. Which we saw a lot happen last night with Andy Dalton, which I'll be talking about a little bit later in the show. But I just wanted to get that off my chest because. It, it's super unfair that Cam Newton is getting this kind of treatment after he came back from COVID. And he's the first quarterback that is coming back from COVID and has played a week after. So the next so the next quarterback that does, we'll see how he plays. We'll see how he compares to Cam Newton. But at the same time, it just isn't fair for us to, to predict that this is how Cam is going to perform throughout the rest of the year just because... He didn't play good one game. In that one game, like I even said, only practiced three days out of the 16 that everybody else could have practiced. Just had to get that off my chest. But at the same time, one thing that I want to bring up is that it'd be nice to see if Edelman and Newton can sort of have that connection again like they did at the start of the season and really start to get those wheels rolling in the offense. Because in my opinion, that was unreal, what they were able to do at the start of the season when Edelman was able to get 
you know, 115, 100 yards here and there. If they're able to do that again, they're going to be successful. I'm not saying that that he he the only way that the Patriots are going to win is Edelman has to get 100 yards, but it'll obviously help. So the next game that I wanted to bring up was the Steelers and the Browns. And boy, 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 the Browns got manhandled by Big Ben and the Steelers. And something that I want to bring up is one guy that I have been very critical of ever since week one is Baker Mayfield. You know, I I, I gave him a lot of praise. Not praise. I I said he did well. Better than weeks before. I I wasn't like, wow. Astronomically better. (laughs) But, I mean, when you really just see what he's been able to do through the course of this season, I, I mean, it's crazy. When you just look at the stats, specifically looking at his interception percentage because I was just so curious. I mean, it seems like anytime I look at the stat sheet and it has Baker Mayfield involved, he at least has to have one to two interceptions. I mean, I mean, it's, the stats show it right here. He's thrown an interception in four games of the six games he's played. And in 2019, he had a 3.9% of, of interception percentage. And in 2020, it's 3.5%. So I understand that's less than 2019, but at the same time, when you look at the league average, the league average is 2.3%. And so you're really seeing how the Browns are really trying to find a way to mold Baker Mayfield into this offense, but it just really isn't working. I mean, we saw it in the first few weeks, how many carries Kareem Hunt had, how many carries Nick Chubb had, and it just really showed how Steven, how Kevin Stepanski, excuse me, what a tongue twister, Kevin Stepanski really tried to mold that offense to where Baker Mayfield didn't really have to do a lot. It, it, it was really set up for for Baker Mayfield to be able to succeed. And I agree with you, Timmy. Poor Baker. He, he it's, 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 it's a crappy franchise, but here's the thing. It's much, much better than you think it is. If you think that this is the same Browns franchise that went and lost 0-16, it's not the same. I understand it's the same exact owner, and the owner is the one who usually manhandles and is the puppet at the top making all these different decisions, but at the same time, this is not the same coach. This is also not the same offense. They have the most star-studded weapons in the entire NFL. So there's no reason why Baker Mayfield should not be succeeding. I mean, it was even brought up. It was even brought up on ESPN, on Get Up ESPN. I mean, if you put Case Keenum in there, I, I mean, I'm not a huge Case Keenum guy, but I, I mean, he sure as hell, I wouldn't be surprised, could get close to the statistics that Baker Mayfield is getting right now. Or he just throws one pick and compared to Baker, who who would have thrown two in this situation. But it's, it's really very unfortunate to kind of see the downfall trajectory that Baker Mayfield has had over the course of these past few seasons. I mean, it's not like he was a superstar in in his rookie year, but he was also under Hugh Jackson at the same time. But really getting the guys like Jarvis Landry, OBJ, Nick Chubb, and now Austin Hooper, David Njoku, I could go on. They have all these incredible weapons that if anybody in the entire NFL had, they they would be in the playoff hunt right now. Any other team that had these type of weapons on their offense would be four and one too. I mean, it doesn't even matter. Joe Burrow, he they'd be un, they'd be undefeated right now. The Bengals would be undefeated if, if Joe Burrow had Jarvis Landry, OBJ, 
Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt. I mean, it, it's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me. And it's very unfortunate on how time and time again, Baker always tries to get himself hyped up in the media to some sort of extent. I, I mean, we saw it at the start of the NFL season. He was like, I'm going to fully focus my time on football and really improving from my poor performance last year. And it really doesn't seem like that has happened whatsoever. And it just seems like week in week again, he is just throwing so erratically. And just since he has pressure in the pocket, he just needs to force something and just try and make something happen, which usually doesn't work and usually ultimately happens and turns into a pick. I want to mention backseat banter. I love the question. Who's going to win this week's matchup versus the Browns and the Bengals? If I'm being completely honest with you, I could honestly see the it's going to be tough, man. I can see the Bengals taking this one. I mean, the Browns' defense has been, even though they got shelled, even though they got shelled last game, they've, they've been looking all right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see Baker coming up clutch with this one. I, I, I can't put my confidence in Baker. I mean, it, it doesn't matter how good their offense was looking in years past. I just can't put confidence in him right now. But you also got to really look at this at the situation that he's had to deal with over his career. I mean, he, he's had four coaches in his four years that he has played. But it's very interesting really looking at what the Browns can do over these next few seasons to potentially change the trajectory of, the, of their you know next five to ten years. I mean, they are in a perfect spot right now where they have all these stars and they need to capitalize. They need to capitalize. I mean, it's the first time where you're not looking at this Browns team with just just absolute disgust and you know, you know predicting that they're going to lose absolutely every single game. Like you've kind of been able to over the course of these past 20 years, when they seem to have a new quarterback, it seems like every single quarter that they come out and play football. But I mean, it's really going to be interesting to see if the Browns potentially look towards drafting a quarterback this next this next year, what they do with Baker Mayfield. I mean, when you really just look at it, he's a free agent after 2021. So what they could do, see how he does the rest of this year, see how he does the rest of next year, and then make a decision, go the whole Mitchell Drabisky route. But, I mean, do they really want to take that long? Do they really want to really... Take all that time to figure out if this kid's the future when he's showing you in his first four years that he's a mediocre, under average quarterback. And it's very unfortunate that I'm saying that because I loved his story coming to the league with the underdog approach, you know, walking on to Oklahoma, walking on to um, Oklahoma and Texas Tech, excuse me. I was blanking on that other one. But it's going to be really interesting to see how he's really able to convince the coaches over these next following games uh, that he is the guy and now one guy that i really wanted to bring up and give credit to is big ben i mean i mean holy crap we could 100 percent definitively see this steelers team in the super bowl if everything goes right not i don't want to say it like that you know everything has to they got to get this stuff done they got to get that no the steelers just skill wise they are one of the most if not the most talented team in the entire AFC. And when you really look at it, their defense is is performing unreal. Unreal. I mean, other than the Colts, they are the number two defense in my opinion. And I agree with you, Backseat Badger. I mean, 
per- perfect. He is the comeback player of the year, 100%. I mean, I mean, as as big of a Patriots fan as I am, and and you know, I like Cam. He he's not playing as efficiently as well at the age of Bill um, Ben Ben Roethlisberger as he is. And for him to have an elbow injury and have all these analysts and all these media people be so nervous about how he's going to be able to throw and him just come out and completely surprise everybody in the league. I mean, everybody obviously knew that he had talent. But a guy, I think he's like 36 now, 37, something like that. Let me know, let me know backseat banter. But going into that age of season, I mean, as a fan, you're not really hearing that and being super-duper confident. I mean... At least I, at least I thought we would at least see some sort of decline, but we're not seeing that whatsoever. I mean, I mean, especially not even close to the decline that Philip Rivers and Drew Brees is kind of at a decline, but Philip Rivers is bad. He's bad. But really just look at 38. Thank you. I mean, a guy going into his 38th season, who would have thought that he would be playing like this? But I mean, it 100% helps when he has wide receivers like Carpool and also Juju but like I said, we could easily see this Steelers team in the Super Bowl. At least that's my pick. I, other, other, other than the Chiefs, I mean, everybody's on the Chiefs. Everybody's on the Chiefs board. Everybody loves the Chiefs. On the on this show, you're always going to hear me. The NFL loves loves the Chiefs. They're the greatest team that we've ever seen. Walk on a football field. Yeah, right. Give me a break. But now I want to talk about one of the biggest stories that came out this morning. That right when I saw the notification on my phone, my jaw dropped. Tua Tungaveloa is now the starter of the Miami Dolphins. And something where I, when I looked at it, I was like, oh, well, maybe Fitzpatrick didn't play that great. You know, maybe it was a time for a move. Maybe they felt like it was the right time. But it's Fitz, Fitzmagic has been playing well. The, mag, the magic has been coming. It's been, it's been working for him. I mean, even in last game, he threw three touchdowns. And then threw two picks. I mean, <laughs> if you're benching Fitz because he threw two picks, I mean, doesn't he do that every other game? Every game that I've seen Fitz, he's at least thrown one pick. I mean, come on, give me a break. But maybe they looked at it and thought, you know, it's week seven. We're about one game away from the halfway point. We're going to give Tua's opportunity. We're going to see if Tua is going to be able to obviously... Most quarterbacks during their first few games don't obviously get to the expectation that most people think. But I, I really could see. I'm trying. I'm trying to read what you're saying, backseat banter. They think Tua is ready and want to give him the run. That yep, exactly. I completely agree with you. I, I, I think that since the Dolphins are in the place that they're in and they're doing a lot better than they actually expected to, I think that they started Tua mainly for like, exactly what you said to give them the run that they are hoping for. I mean. I, I think that Tua definitely has has the skill. There's definitely a good possibility that he's going to be able to do it. I'm looking right now to see who the Dolphins will be playing uh, next week. Um, it actually it actually looks like that they have a bye, which is very interesting to me. Yeah, the Dolphins have a bye, so that that makes sense. That make that makes a lot of sense actually now because they're going to be starting him. During week eight, which is the half of the season, which which I already thought, which that, that that was already sort of a prediction, so it makes a lot of sense that they're going to be able to take this week to play in the Rams uh, during week eight, that they're going to be able to take this week to really be able to prepare Tua to be able to not only play play against the Rams but for the rest of the season, and it was really interesting because 
I was listening to Pat McAfee's podcast and he had Kyle Vannoy on a few weeks back. And it was really interesting to hear Vannoy's thoughts on how well Fitzmagic has been performing as a mentor for Tua Tungavailoa and how he has really grown into the role of a mentor, not only for Tua, but the entire team. And it's going to be really cool to see how he continues that. I mean, Vinoy said it perfectly. Vinoy said that Fitz is the perfect mentor and the perfect sort of father figure, in in a sense, for Tua to be able to learn from, understand what it's like to be a starting quarterback, especially with Fitz. I mean, he's been a starting quarterback in multiple, multiple different franchises. So to be able to get comfortable like that and to be able to actually mentally and physically perform to the level that he's been able to for the amount of years that he has been, it's going to be really interesting to see how Tua really performs against this Rams team, especially this Rams defense, who, as we know, is very star-studded. Uh, but I like what you brought up, actually, Pedro. I, I could I could honestly see them potentially, you know, uh, putting up a race for the AFC East. Um, but I, I, as, as I've mentioned, I'm a Patriots fan. I am still not... Uh, I'm, I'm still not, you know, taking my foot off the gas pedal for the Patriots. I could, I could still honestly see the Patriots making a run against the Bills. I mean, especially when you saw what what Josh Allen did last night. I mean, we can talk about that a little bit. Josh Allen. I mean, I, I don't know what happened, but it, it it seemed like he didn't care. I, I mean, he was throwing that football and just being like, well, if it gets picked, it gets picked. It it is what it is. It is what it is. I, I, I mean, it just it just seemed like he was making a lot of uneducated and and just erratic throws. I mean, there was some of them were off of his back foot. He would just sling it up there and pam a pick. And it, just in the worst moments. I, I mean, I know that's Josh Allen being Josh Allen. I mean, we all know that. The one thing about Josh Allen that, like, at least I can't stand is that he makes the worst turnovers in, in, in the worst moments, which he does that a lot. But, I mean... It's, it's really going to be crazy to see how this AFC East really does actually actually come out because I think it's really going to be a head-to-head battle between the Patriots, Bills, and also the Dolphins. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens, not this next week, but the week after that when the Patriots play the Bills, how that game's going to go. And I think that will really be a test on what the rest of the season is to come because the Patriots play the the Bills and the Dolphins a few times um, at the end of the season. So, you know, it's 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 going to be a head-to-head sort of race in that AFC East. And it's something that we really haven't seen in the NFL, especially in that division at all in the last 20 years. It's kind of like I just mentioned at the start, at the start of this uh, section. The Patriots have been dominating the AFC East for 20 years. So it's, it's really cool to obviously see another team having success, especially like the Lions. And when you look back, when the Lions had Chad Pennington, I think it was, and they made and they made the playoffs, and that was the one year that the Patriots didn't. Very cool to be able to see that. So another guy who, wow, he, he, he had some erratic throws last night in Andy Dalton. Another guy who just really seemed like he did not care about what the hell was going on last night is the Red Revolver, Andy Dalton, who threw 34 for 54, 266 yards. Don't that laugh, don't let that number fool you. With one touchdown and two interceptions. And wow, he threw the ball a lot. And I get it. I get it. Zeke fumbled it twice and it was two two plays in a row. 
and it really didn't set the uh, really didn't set the Cowboys up in a very good position what whatsoever. But wow, I mean that was bad. I, it, it was very cool too to see all the people hyping up Andy Dalton. Oh, the red revolver! Is he going to be able to perform? better than he did with the Bengals. Is he going to be able to come back and be the 2014, 2015 Andy Dalton that we remember? Nope. Nope. Not, not whatsoever. Andy Dalton that we saw last night was the 2019 Andy Dalton that took the Bengals to almost losing 16 games in a row. Exactly, Vaxi Panda. How, how about them Cowboys? He, he almost lost them 16 games in a row, but luckily the Bengals were able to get one win. But, oh my gosh, it just really showed why why the Bengals are so bad. Or, or why they were so bad. And everybody was painting the picture that the only way Andy Dahl was even close to bad against the, with the Bengals was because of the offensive line. The offensive line did the job last night. I mean, but Andy, Andy Dahl, eh, actually, he got sacked a good amount. But at the same time, they, protect, they protected him and, and he was just standing in the pocket. Or... Or he would just make these erratic throws and try to push something. It, it was just so gross to watch. I, I mean, my friends and I had to stop watching, actually stop watching a football game. I don't think that happens a lot. I, I, mean, I mean, I literally looked at my friend. I'm like, this is disgusting. Like, this is football. This is the NFL. It's not the XFL. This isn't college. This isn't the CFL. Like, like this is on national television. It was gross. And, and you could you could really see it in Jerry Jones' face. He, he knew exactly what was going on. He's like, what is what is going on in that field right now? And it was so funny to see the general manager, too. He's just got his arms crossed, shaking his head. He's like, geez, maybe we have to go out and get Colin. It will be interesting to see if they potentially get Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick or not. Or we could just see the Red Revolver really embarrass the Cowboys for the rest of the season. I, I mean... I, I agree with you, backseat band. They they missed Dak so bad. I mean, it's 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 really bad, and it's going to be really interesting to see how he performs or tries to obviously have a better performance is is his next game. But I mean, a perfect example is there was there was a perfect first down opportunity for the Cowboys. I think it was like fourth and ten, uh, third and ten or something like that. I think it actually might have been. I'm, I'm trying to remember. It was either third and ten or fourth and ten. But at the same time, Andy Dalton just threw it right to the sideline, and the ball went right over the running back's head, who was literally in first down territory, in bounds, with no defender around him whatsoever. And I looked at my friend. I'm like, "Are you, are you kidding? <laughs> There's a receiver right there. Like, did you miss him? Did you? Are you, are you just not even gonna try? Like, wh what is going on?" And so, it was very interesting. You don't see this a lot. Especially during these COVID times. The one time that the Cowboys allowed fans to come in. They're like, oh yeah, we got fans. You're able to come and watch a Cowboys game. Get excited. Get ready. They start booing. They, they started booing in the fourth quarter. They're like, enough is enough. This, this is awful. I, I don't even know why we paid. And it was awesome to be able to hear the announcers sort of explain how you can't even really notice if people are leaving with, with all these seats empty. <laughs> I mean, it, it was so bad. But, you know, who knows? Andy Dalton could sooner or later become America's quarterback. Surprise everybody. You know, I could be wrong. Who knows? I don't, I don't think I'm wrong. But another game that really did not turn out how most people expected it to was the Packers and the Bucks. 
Wow. Packers and the Bucks. I mean, what, 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 what happened to uh, Aaron Rodgers? I mean, that was one of the worst games I think I've ever seen him play. And and I'm I'm obviously a little bit peeved. He's on my fantasy team. I'm not 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 too happy that uh, he gave me five points. L- luckily, I was still able to win it. Luck- luckily, I had Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake put up 149 yards, I'm pretty sure, last night rushing the ball. But, I mean, Aaron, five, five points. Five points on fantasy. Are you kidding me right now? I mean, it just really seemed like... He was out of sorts. I agree with you, backseat bed. I mean, the Bucks defense is dominant. It's it's it really it really is, and we and we really saw that painted perfectly during this game. I, I did find it very interesting how leading up to this game, nobody had any confidence in the Bucks. Nothing, nothing. I, I mean, I heard Colin Cohert, I heard his show leading up to the Week Seven matchups, and he was so hard on the Bucks after that performance against the Bears where they literally had no protection whatsoever on Tom Brady and it really it really looked awful for that Bucks offense but now i think the Bucks offense was hearing Colin Cohart's uh show because they came in with vengeance they they came in with massive motivation and Brady looked good I mean, it was it was honestly very weird because, as you can see, I'm a Red Sox fan. It was very weird to be able to see, and also a Patriots fan as well, to see the Gronk and Brady hookup or the connection again on a different team. I, believe me, I I can't watch a Bucks game whatsoever. When I see Brady in that in that damn Bucks jersey, I start yelling at the TV. It, it it frustrates the hell out of me. But at the same time, it was really cool to see him be able to play well. And and obviously, as a Patriots fan, it is good to. It is good to see Tom succeeding with another organization. I agree with you, Backseat Bender. Godwin did, did unreal. He really did. And it, it's really cool to be able to see Brady really being able to make those connections with all the receivers and weapons that he does have because it's it's not like he had any of those even close. In New England, he barely even had anybody. I mean, it was like Edelman and Josh Gordon and Randy Moss and Welker that was, and Amendola. That was really about it. But now... We're looking at this Bucks team in a whole different fashion. And now, when I look on NFL, I think it's ESPN NFL, they came out with a uh, they came out with rankings. Oh yeah, Chris Hogan, perfect, uh, great point, backseat banter. But they came out with rankings, power rankings uh, after week seven, and the Bucks, the Bucks were seventh, and under the Bucks uh, were the Saints. Oh, God, I'm blanking on who else. It was the Saints and one other team, but I'm I'm like, are you are you kidding me right now? You just because the Bucks won one game and they did and they looked good one game, now they their trajectory up to number seven it made no sense to me whatsoever. They just got so much hype on that team, it's crazy. But they're another team like the Browns who have so many weapons that I don't understand how they don't score <laughs> more points than that. One thing that I wanted to bring up as well. Uh, that I forgot to mention about that Cowboys game is Kyler Murray. I mean, didn't really look that great. I mean, that Cowboys defense is the worst in the league. And so it's not like he had a ton of pressure on him. It's not like they're really making it too, too tough for him. But, I mean, he only completed eight passes. He was eight for 20. I mean, he threw two touchdowns. I get it. But at the same time, if Kenyon Drake didn't really carry that team and if if uh, Andy Dolan didn't shoot the poop, 
if he if he didn't if he wasn't horrendous, then I don't know if this Cardinals team would be looking at a W right now. I mean, it's really it's really kind of interesting to see how everybody was really looking at Kenyon Drake as a nobody going into this game. Uh, it, it was it was funny even even as I, I just traded for Kenyon Drake for my fantasy team, so I had some confidence in him. Every, everybody else was like, "Now they're going to hand it off to Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds is going to dominate this game. Kenyon Drake is going to get you no points." And I, all my friends told me that I was going to lose, but I actually won. I actually won. Kenyon Drake, twenty carries, one hundred and sixty-four yards. Ooh, touchdowns. Two touchdowns. So, he looked like he was back in Miami, if I'm being quite honest with you. It was very cool to be able to see that for Kenyon Drake. And it's going to be really interesting to see how all these teams who really didn't perform up to par and and really sort of disappointed uh, during this past week, how they really perform going into week seven. So, that is it for my rundown, or at least the top topics for the NFL week seven I greatly appreciate everybody tuning in to the Iggy Sports Talk radio show and for listening for the last hour and a half. I hope you guys did enjoy the interview that I had with Elliot Johnson. If you want to listen to this whole podcast and everything that I talked about today, go over to my Instagram, follow Iggy Sports Talk. I'll be, f- I'll be posting everything over Spotify, Apple Podcasts, but go over and follow at Iggy Sports Talk, which most of you guys are watching right now. And follow that because I'm going to be posting on that platform when the podcast is going to come out. But like I said, really appreciate everybody tuning in. Hope everybody has a great rest of their week. I'll see everybody next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.